few weeks back, one of my elders and I went to a church meeting of local churches. And afterwards, we met out in the parking lot. We started talking. And as we were talking to one another, this horrible noise started sounding from both of our pockets. I pulled out my phone and it happened to say, tornado warning. So I look over to the west and sure enough, the clouds were terrifying. So we both got into our vehicles and drove off. Now, as I was driving away, I actually did have an opportunity from a good distance, from quite a few miles out, to be able to look back and I did indeed see the developing tornado. Tornadoes are destructive and they are powerful. But fortunately, they are only around for a little while. They, they're very temporary and so they do their destruction and then they are gone. Well, today we talk about another powerful force that is deadly, destructive, and powerful. And this is called the curse. The curse is spelled out in Genesis chapter 3. After Adam and Eve sinned against God, all of the problems of today can be traced all the way back to the curse. And yet, there's good news. In verses 14 and 15 of Genesis chapter 3, even though it is not spelled out in the most direct of terms, a prophecy is revealed from God himself. It reads, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Verse 15 of chapter 3 is called the Proto-Evangelium. It is considered the first prophecy concerning the Messiah, which would one day put an end to the curse of death and sin. The Messiah would overcome the power of Satan. To understand the Proto-Evangelium, you must understand, really, the seriousness of the curse. A common saying is that in order for you to understand the good news, you must first do what? understand the bad news. You must hear the bad news before you can understand the good news. And the bad news could not have been any worse than in those first days. Yes, today we see death, we see, death, we, we see suffering, we see illness, diseases, and malevolent acts of injustice. You and I have grown up with these realities. In fact, growing up as a boy, they are foundational for some of your boyhood fantasies. You imagine yourself as a hero and out there somewhere was this villain that only you could defeat. They have harmed unknown millions of souls out there and they seek to do more and more evil every passing hour. And your objective is to square off with this villain for an epic showdown. Defeat them once and for all as the knight in shining armor. And ultimately, 
you would win the girl. You would get the girl at the end, as you know how a boyhood fantasy typically goes. The curse is far more dreadful than any one villain. It is the power behind all evils of the world. It is the removal of God's favor from the land and life. Under God's provision, all things are upheld. Everything holds together. In his presence, there is eternal life. Outside of his favor, things fall apart. Think about it. Adam and Eve walked with God every day. They were literally God's friends, abiding in his presence. They knew no pain. They knew no suffering. Death did not even exist in their minds. One day, that all changed. God spoke this curse upon the world, and the effects were immediate. Could you imagine Adam's reaction the first time he saw a wrinkle on Eve's face? Hey, what's that you got on your face, honey? He might say. Could you imagine Eve's reaction the first time that Adam maybe twisted his ankle? Why are you walking so funny there? Well, in chapter 4, they were the first parents ever, think about this, to ever ask the most dreaded of questions. Why hasn't our son come home yet? You see, we have become so familiar with death that we think it is part of God's good created order. It's not. It is a result of the removal of God's favor, a result of sin's entrance into the natural world, the consequence of mankind's rebellion against their creator. Let's say that you're terminally ill, and you heard about a man who was coming to your house. You have heard from others that this man was special and that he could maybe pray for you. They might have told you that the favor of God was upon him. At first, you don't think much about it, but he walks through your door and he announces the Lord's favor to you. And your response might be something along the lines of, you know, God is good, even despite my circumstances. The man's response could be something along the lines of, you have great faith, your sins are forgiven. Now, as this man says this, all the people with you start scoffing and criticizing, thinking, who is this man that thinks that he can forgive sins? And then all of a sudden, the man does something more bold. He says, let me see that tumor that you have. And so you show him the tumor that's been growing, the cause of your illness and suffering and pain in imminent death. And he says, so that all might know that I have the power to forgive sins, you are healed of your illness. And then before their eyes, the tumor disappears. You don't know exactly what happened, but what you do know is that something has changed and it is good. Clearly, I'm talking about Jesus. When Jesus came to the world, things changed. 
The most obvious changes at first came in the form of miracles. He cast out demons, restored lost limbs, gave sight to the blind, created food out of nowhere, and could even control the weather merely by speaking a word. It'd be hard to describe an individual like this. Calling him a man doesn't do him justice. One of the historic descriptions of Jesus is found in the Nicene Creed. It says of Jesus that we believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. <laughs> wow. By the way, the word begotten means to be born of. So Jesus was born of the Father and of the very same essence. Now, next line in this creed clarifies that through him all things were made. And so we know that Jesus Christ is the creator. He is God. I've seen many messianic movies, and one of my favorites is probably The Matrix. But in The Matrix, the main character, Neo, merely has the ability to make The Matrix conform to his will. Think about this. With Jesus, he physically came into the world that he created. I can't even begin to wrap my mind around that. So when Peter rebuked him, when Peter rebuked Jesus, keep in mind that Jesus created Peter. <laughs> when the disciples doubted him, he was the one orchestrating the events that unfolded around them. When the storm almost capsized the disciples' boat, and Jesus told the weather to be peaceful and still. It had to have freaked out his disciples. And it freaked them out because they had known of the prophets. They read about them. And Jesus was no prophet. He was far more powerful. He did not even invoke God's name to stop the storm. He just said, peace, be still. Or, as the WHSV renders it, shut up, you stupid storm. <laughs> WHSV, by the way, William Henry Sang version. You see what I did there? His words stilled the waters and the wind because his words were what brought them into existence. In the Proto-Evangelium, we find hope. Do not overlook the tragedy within this prophecy. To the serpent, God said, He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. That means that the snake would get his shot at the Son of Man. He would bite his heel and inject him with deadly poison. The man would die. When I deliver this message, we use this to prepare our hearts for communion. We should never forget the truth of the cross. 
while we were still God's enemies, Jesus died for us on the cross. Through his resurrection, he has justified us. He has brought us the promise of eternal life. Through his ascension, he sent down the Holy Spirit, which indwells us, his people of faith. He unites us as his body through communion worship. We remember his death, resurrection, imminent return, and the unity that we have in him. I'd like to thank you for joining us for today's sermon. Again, my name is Bill Sang from Faith Presbyterian Church. We meet at 10.30 in the mornings on Sundays. If you'd like to join us for our worship, please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.